following podcast is presented by Wellspring of Life Church, a community of faith, hope, and purpose. Isn't it interesting that as God would have it, we landed on chapter 15 on this weekend. What do you think about that? You've looked ahead, you know what chapter 15 is about. It's about the resurrection, isn't it? So just jump right in. Let's look at verses 1 and 2, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. As we have clearly seen in our study of this Corinthian letter, the Corinthian church was confused about a lot of stuff, right? They have, they have been confused about a lot of things, and now we learn that that included the resurrection. Therefore, in the letter which the church had written to Paul, remember, just reminding you that this letter is actually Paul responding to the letter that they had written to him with a bunch of questions. And so in this letter that he has written, Paul, one of the questions had to do with the resurrection and how it pertained to the believer's body. Now, again, just a reminder, Athens is just up the road from Corinth, and, and there was a big, large contingent in both Athens and Corinth who just simply did not believe in the resurrection. They were known as the Epicureans, and they, you know, as far as they were concerned, when you died, you died, and that was it. So they did not have any understanding, any belief whatsoever of the resurrection. Some in the church were point blank denying the resurrection. Some were apparently following the false teaching of others. So Paul's answer, I think, is also just as point blank. And I like that. He says the resurrection of Jesus Christ is real and true and proves the resurrection of the human body. In fact, Jesus arose so that all people in their full and complete persons, meaning bodies and as well as spirits, could live forever. The resurrection of Jesus Christ makes the resurrection an absolute. And so having established this fact, Paul deals with some very common objections to the truth of which, you know, that Jesus lives so that we can live as well. And so he's going to be dealing with that. And so Paul presents as his first article of evidence, if I could use that terminology for the resurrection, happens to be the gospel itself. So he starts in terms of presenting his evidence. He begins with the gospel itself. The primary facts of the gospel prove that God can bodily raise a person from the dead. The facts of the gospel which prove the resurrection of the believer are set forth in the first 11 verses of this 15th chapter. So first of all, as we have just commented, the importance of the gospel is an article of evidence that Paul is presenting. In other words, Paul says, if you do not believe in the resurrection, your faith is in vain. Empty and useless without the resurrection. 
Paul is basically saying it all hinges upon the resurrection. So fact number one that Paul presents, along with this gospel message, Christ died for our sins. And then notice the terminology that he uses according to the scriptures. We see that in verse 3. According to the scriptures. Fact number two, Christ was buried and rose and then again, we see it according to the scriptures in verse 4. Fact number 3 is in verses 5 through 7. There were eyewitnesses. He lets us know here that there were like some 500 eyewitnesses. And Paul says, even at the time of the writing of this letter, he says most of them are still alive. They're still around. They can prove this very fact. Fact number 4, we find in verses 8 through 10, there was one strong eyewitness. You know who that eyewitness was? Look at it. The Apostle Paul himself. He refers to himself as an eyewitness as Jesus appeared to him right on the road to Damascus. We're familiar with that story. And then fact number five, basically Paul says there's only one gospel. There are not multiple gospels, just one that is preached and that has to be believed. Okay, there's no wiggle room there. It has to be believed. Now, some ask, why is the resurrection so important? Well, one reason is because the resurrection proves that Jesus is who he said he is. Right? Proves it. He claimed to be God. He proved this by coming out of the grave, that he was indeed God. Another reason the resurrection is so important is because it changes the meaning of our existence. Think about this, church. It really is to change the meaning of our existence. And so before I go any further, I want to just kind of take a little pause here and just simply ask you, in all, in all honesty, how has the resurrection of Jesus Christ impacted your life? Is your life just kind of lived as it's always lived? Business as usual, doing your thing? You're the God and the king on the throne of your own heart, or has it impacted you? And are you tapped in and living by the resurrection power that Jesus Christ offers us? How have you been impacted today because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Believing in the resurrection gives new meaning to every area of our life. Who would you guess is the most successful attorney in the world? And if you're thinking Johnny Cochran or somebody like that, you'd be wrong. <laughs> the Guinness Book of World Records says on page 547, the most successful lawyer is Sir Lionel Luckhoo who <laughs> succeeded, check this out, in getting his 245th successive murder acquittal. Wow. And he did that by January 1st, 1985. Wow is right. <laughs> I have wow in my notes, as a matter of fact. <laughs> That's an absolutely amazing feat that nobody has even come close to, right? So what skills would you say he needed 
to have to, to rise to that unprecedented level of courtroom success? Well, certainly smart and savvy. I mean, that would kind of, yeah, that we, that's a given. Tremendous analytical skills. And he must be a world-class expert on what constitutes reliable and persuasive evidence. Well, guess what? All of these things describe luck who? who was knighted twice by Queen Elizabeth and who also served as a distinguished diplomat and a justice on his country's highest court. And so having said all that, wouldn't it be interesting to get an opinion from an expert like Luck who on the evidence for the resurrection <laughs> of Jesus? Well, I don't like using this word. I'm going to use it in this context. We're in luck. <laughs> because luck who, during his own spiritual journey, turned his expertise to the question of whether the resurrection was reliable and true, and if it could fit the test of legal evidence. The conclusion that he ultimately reached, and I will quote him, and I'm not going to even come close to attempting to speak British. So as I say it, as I say it, you hear British, okay? Unequivocally, that the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ is so overwhelming that it compels acceptance by proof which leaves absolutely no room for doubt. Amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Our everyday experience tells us that chickens don't talk and cows don't fly and people don't walk out of graves. I mean, that's my experience. What, is that yours different? Okay, I'll just check it. <laughs> and yet, here's the most successful attorney in the world concluding with total confidence that the resurrection is a reality. So you're sitting there and you're wondering, well, what did he do with that? Good question. And then luck who did the most logical thing that he could do. He gave his life to Jesus Christ. <laughs> now notice what Paul says in verse 12 through 14 says, but if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless. And so is your faith. And so then... What Paul is telling us, that the resurrection changes everything. Can I ask that again on the heels of what I was asking a little bit ago? Is that true in your life? Has it changed everything? I trust that it has. Let's look at verse 16 now and see what he says. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. <laughs> so if the resurrection changes everything, 
You know what comes along with that then? It also changes the meaning of faith. So Paul's telling us there in those verses. Some people make the mistake of thinking that Christianity is like a huge buffet table. Anybody here like buffet tables? You know, that you can pick and choose the beliefs that you personally find appetizing. I got news for those folks, the truth is not determined by a matter of taste or preference. Amen? Christianity is based upon a historical fact. Marilyn said it earlier, and maybe even Kenny did, the tomb is empty. <laughs> historical fact, Jesus Christ died, rose from the grave, and since he conquered death, that means he must be who he said he is, the Messiah, and that means he must be able to do what he said he could do, give us eternal life, and that must certainly mean that his promises, such as I am with you always, and I will never leave you nor forsake you, are absolutely reliable and true. The, real, the reality of the resurrection gives substance to our faith and gives us the ability to face life's toughest challenges with the assurance that God is with us and that he is for us. Second thing we notice is that not only does resurrection change everything and it changes the meaning of faith we also find in verse 18 that it changes the meaning of death look at verse 18 with me now then those also who have fallen asleep and as you know that's a term biblical term for nice way of saying who have died in Christ are lost wow that's no good. <laughs> but Paul says, hey, it even changes the meaning of death. Why? Because Christ's resurrection gives a new meaning to death. Death is not the end. Aren't you glad for that? As, as followers of Christ, death is not the end, and it, is no it no longer has power over us. And this is why Paul says in verse 26, the last enemy to be destroyed is death. And so not only has death been defeated, he also says in verse 54 that death has been swallowed up in victory. And then he says in verse 55 where, oh death, where is your victory? Oh death, where is your sting? Because of the resurrection of Christ, we know that death is merely the transition. Amen? From this life, to the next that death is not the end it is actually the beginning and we can't take and we can take comfort in the promise that Jesus has made I go to prepare a place for you that's good news isn't it now look at verses 19 through 20 with me if only for this life we have hope in Christ we are, of all people, most to be pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. 
now we find that the resurrection changes not only faith and death and life, it changes the meaning of life. That's what we're seeing. Throughout the 2,000-year history of the church up to this very moment, Christians have suffered torture, abuse, persecution, mockery, death. And so if this life is all that there is, people would have to be crazy to endure such kind of treatment. Would you agree? However, the Bible says, all who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. That's 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. Jesus said it, didn't he? He said, if they persecute me, they're going to persecute you. And Paul affirms it here with Timothy. And oh, by the way, in case you didn't notice, that was a promise. <laughs> yeah. It's a promise. It's not one we like to claim. Amen? But nevertheless, it is a promise from God. <laughs> there is a price to pay for making and taking a stand. If there is no resurrection, if this life is all that there is, anyone would be a fool to allow themselves to be even slightly inconvenienced for the sake of Christianity. But if in fact Jesus is risen. Well, that does change everything, doesn't it? Because Jesus is our everything. He is also then our more than enough. Don't you love that phrase? Is Jesus more than enough to you tonight? Jesus is more than enough. Even in a world that is full of chaos, bad news, false news from a media who has lost the ability to tell the truth. <laughs> and even though we have had more than enough of all that this world has been dishing out, Jesus remains more than enough. No doubt you are familiar with the details of the resurrection story Jesus was arrested on Thursday evening after eating a final meal with his disciples and then arrested, quickly sentenced to death. Many of his followers abandoned him, running away, fearing for their lives. They thought that everything had changed forever, that the good times were over for good. <laughs> He rose from the dead. On that resurrection morning, he was filled again with the breath of life and up from the grave he arose, proving that he has power even over death. And I want you to know that he has power over what you are dealing with today. And he has power over anything in the future that it may throw your way. I want you to know that the resurrection power of Jesus Christ is more than enough for any challenge you could ever, ever face in this life. Yes. He is more than enough. And this was certainly true in the lives of a couple individuals who were forever impacted and changed 
by the resurrection. First, let's consider Mary Magdalene. In the Gospel of John chapter 20, it tells us that Mary and the disciples went to the tomb early on that Sunday morning and found it empty. They couldn't imagine what had happened before his death. As we know, Jesus had become such an enemy to those who were in power. The first assumption was that the body had been taken, perhaps to further embarrass and humiliate his followers, or maybe even to prevent them from stealing his body and then claiming resurrection. The disciples left, as we read in the Gospels, but Mary stayed behind, where she stood outside the tomb crying. And then after encountering a couple of angels who were sitting where Jesus had been laying, had been laid, someone spoke to her. Why are you crying? Who are you looking for? We read in the story that she thinks it's the gardener, right? That's not who it was. <laughs> I love that. That is not who it was. She said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and then I will go and get him. When he spoke again, she realizes this time it's Jesus. You want to know why? Because this time he speaks her name, Mary. As I read this story, I think of Mary outside the tomb, devastated by recent events. Her spirit is broken. Her hopes are shattered. Her world in many ways has come to an end. And all Mary could do is stare into the empty tomb and cry. Her grief was that great. King David wrote in Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. If you're in a place where you have had enough and if you're hurting and feeling broken and discouraged, I encourage you to just take a moment and to listen carefully because Jesus is speaking your name as well. Just as he calls Mary's name, he calls yours. He's saying, in effect, I am here with you. I have overcome death, and my grace is more than enough to get you through what you're facing these days. And it's the, true, it's the truth for us as well. Amen, church? It is more than enough, his resurrection power to get us through whatever we might be facing in these days. The second person I want us to consider, we're familiar with this guy. It's Peter and his past. We all know what Peter did, don't we? We all do. Jesus told Peter that he would deny him before the beginning of a new day, before the rooster crowed. And it, you know Peter, he denied it, and he insisted he would never do that. In fact, Peter says, I'll die for you, Jesus. And then just a few hours later, 
Peter did the unthinkable. He did what he said he wouldn't do. He denied Jesus. And just as he was denying Jesus for the third time, the rooster crowed, and Jesus, who was on trial for his life, across the open courtyard, turned and looked straight at Peter. Put yourself in that place. And Peter did what you and I would have done. Luke 22, verses 60 through 62 tells us he went away and wept bitterly. Overcome with a boatload of guilt and shame. No doubt we're all familiar with the story. And maybe we're familiar because it has at times been our story. But then, on Sunday morning, after Jesus had risen from the dead, and an angel of the Lord spoke to his disciples, telling them that Jesus is alive, and that they would see him soon. And the angel included two words that make all the difference to all those who need to hear them which I am an imagine that would include every single one of us at certain times in our lives. He said in Mark 16, verse 7, but go tell his disciples and Peter. Oh. He is going ahead of you into Galilee. Did you hear that? Tell his disciples and Peter. You know, that, that one who proved himself to be a denying coward. That one who now has enough guilt and shame to last the rest of his life. That one who has every reason to think that Jesus is done with him forever. Tell him to. Tell him that Jesus is alive. Tell him that all is forgiven. Folks, no matter what your past may be, even if you've done things that can never be undone, God's mercy can be yours. Forgiveness can be yours. The book of Isaiah tells us, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. Did you hear that? Not for our sake does it for his because of who he is for my sake and then you gotta love this and remembers your sins no more wow we can be forgiven not because we deserve it because certainly none of us do but because of God's grace because it is that great it is more than enough to set you free from the power of the past. If you struggle with guilt and shame at any given time, remember the power of those words spoken by the angel on that original resurrection morning. 
tell the disciples and and then you add your name right there just add your name because he's also talking to you and to me what can we take away from these stories doubting whether or not God is listening or if he even cares I want you to know that just like he did for those who would believe in Corinth just like he did for Mary and Peter and a lot of other people Jesus is ready to make himself known to you in an even more significant powerful way than you already know him as He's ready to make himself known to you as the Son of God, the anointed Messiah, the risen Savior, and with that bringing his resurrection power to enable us to live for him. He's ready to walk by your side every step of the way for the rest of your days. After the crucifixion, the disciples had every reason to think that their world had come to an end. And then they discovered the risen Christ. He would always be with them, and his presence was more than enough to get them through any challenge that they would face. Whatever you may be facing today, you can be sure that his mercy his power are more than enough for you too. You can be sure of that. And when you come to that place and you recognize that He is your personal risen Savior, that you belong to Him, hopefully at that point you will be compelled to display Him and to tell everyone about him. So that he's no longer the best kept secret going. <laughs> but that our lives won't be able to help ourselves as Jesus just spills over and splashes on others. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message by Wellspring of Life Church in Western Colorado. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please visit wellspringoflifechurch.com. So I will lift up.